Welcome to The Logbook. I'm your host, Lucas Weekly. This episode's supported by you, the listeners, through Patreon. Head over to thelogbookpodcast.com for more information. Today, we have a returning storyteller. Don Sebastian is going to share a few more pre-buy stories and will give us a look at how he inspects airplanes remotely and teaches classes how to do it too. After about 30 years of doing pre-purchase inspections, in the late 90s, uh, things were really busy. I was doing all kinds of sizes and shapes of airplanes. And an attorney called me up for one of the Las Vegas casinos and he said they were having trouble fitting out their Boeing 727 nice airliner so I went to Texas to the hangar where it was and looked into the matter and here I see a freshly painted new engines three-hole a Boeing 727 and uh, I go inside and what do I find but there's like 15 engineers designing the interior it's got a headliner, which replica of the Palace Casino Mall, where the stars come out and move and the moon moves at night. This is all fiber optics, large screen TV, which was kind of unusual back in 1999. And it had basic instrument panel, uh, but there was a lot of good things here. So I go into the rest of the crew and say, where's the microfilm on this airplane? I want to find out the history. And we go back. The airplane had 20,000 hours on it. And for a 727-200, that wasn't bad. You know, it's kind of low time. And then I find out that Braniff Airlines operated it to South America. And I said to the casino, I said, what are you going to do with this airplane? Oh, we're going to fly it around the world and pick up the high rollers and bring them to Las Vegas. I said, wait a minute, it's 1999 and a half. <laughs> Do you realize in the year 2000 that all the European airports prevent you from flying into them and flying out of them because the airplane's too noisy? They said, well, that's why we have silencers on the engines. I said, yeah, but the stipulation is if you have silencers, you have to be grandfathered. In other words, you got to land at those particular airports and get recorded. Otherwise, you're not even allowed in those airports with silencers, so the plane will be useless to fly around the world and pick up your high rollers. And they said, oh, my goodness, stop what we're doing. And they put back things back together again, got a ferry permit and hired a foreign crew, and they flew around the world and landed at all these airports where they intended to go. Well, I did my job. It was kind of like a legal thing. You know, I wrote up some things that I thought they might want to do. Being such a first-class airplane with bedrooms in it and lounge areas, a bar, and (laughs) all kinds of fancy stuff, gold-plated fittings. I said, well, wait a minute. I said, the window shades, why not wire them electrically where they go up and down, you know, when the pilot lands? Because over in Europe... The airlines, most of them, ask you to raise the window shades on landing. Just in case there's a crash and a fire, you can look out of the window and see which side of the airplane the flames are on and exit it on the opposite side. Makes a lot of sense. They don't do that in the United States. So I said, why not just wire them that way? But anyway, that was my suggestion. I don't know what happened. I 
I did my job and I moved on. Don had done inspections of hundreds of aircraft, and this 727 was the biggest ever. And that was a story he didn't get to share last time. You can listen to some of his other pre-buy stories in episode 26 of The Logbook. Speaking of podcast episodes, Don is actually pretty famous among several aviation podcasts, like the Airline Pilot Guy, Airplane Geeks, the Inspired Pilot Podcast, and several other shows. And with so many people listening to what he does, Don has gotten a lot of business from around the world that sometimes he can't get to in person. Somebody calls me from Portugal or sends me a note and says, Don, I want to do what you do. I want to do pre-purchase inspections and flight tests. I said, well, where are you? He says, I'm in Lisbon, <laughs> Portugal. I said, whoa, too bad. I said, because just a few months ago, I was in Lisbon doing a jet plane called the Hawker 800. And you could have joined me doing it and wearing the ropes. So anyway, um, he just contacted me yesterday and said, hey, Don, I'm renting a Cessna 172 here in Portugal. And I want to make sure it's a good airplane. Will you check it out for me? Good timing, because I'm running a pre-buy course right here in North Carolina Thursday and Friday this week. And that'll be excellent for my students to get involved, because we're, we both have iPhones, and we're going to do what you call face to fa- FaceTime. FaceTime is I could see and hear everything he's doing, and he could see and hear everything I'm telling him. Okay, so there's two things here that I find really interesting. Don is doing a remote pre-purchase inspection, not even needing to see the airplane, and he's teaching others what to look for when they go off and do their own pre-buys. So let's break this down and see how Don teaches these classes first. Yeah, okay. Uh, I get all kinds of people. I started off with a fellow in Jacksonville, Florida, and he's out of the Marines, uh, or maybe the Air Force, I'm not sure. Uh, he was a mechanic on C-130s. He's got an A&P license, and he's working. He's got a student permit. He's working on his license. And he called me up and said, Don, uh, uh, could you run a course for me? And you know, I run a course about every six months. So I have him for sure. So I get the word out to a dozen other people I know who probably would like to attend. And... Uh, we go to a conference center in town here in Southern Pines, North Carolina. The first day we'll probably be ex- uh, piston airplanes. We'll we'll look at all the things involved with the forms and uh, the procedures and the checklists and how to communicate with the buyer and all those things and how to transmit back and forth either by Skype or FaceTime or uh, there's all kinds of things. Uh, we could use Periscope. <laughs> there's lots of free stuff to use, even though they're on the other side of the world. <laughs> and um, and then the second day, we're going to get into turbine airplanes like King Airs and, and Cessna Citations and Hawker jets, and I don't think we'll get into any airliners. <laughs> no, that's a little too much. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it'll give them good groundwork and how to do it. And now to supply the real-world examples for this class, Don will conduct a remote inspection with someone over the phone so that his students can see what a real pre-purchase inspection looks like. So Don makes the call. The video feed is put up on a big TV or projector for everyone to see, and the buyer on the other end puts his iPhone in his shirt pocket, 
and I go through a, the pre-flight and pre-purchase inspection with him. He's going to put an earbud in his ear, and every place he goes, I'll be seeing and telling him what to do, how to check out this airplane. And then when he flies the airplane, we usually have cell phone conductivity up to about 7,000 feet or so. So I could monitor the instruments and tell him, look, I'm at takeoff. I want to see that static run up. I want to see that prop hitting an RPM. Before you release the brakes, make sure you're developing 100% power. Oh, there's a whole bunch of stuff we can do. And then if we find something that isn't in compliance or it doesn't seem right, we just take a screenshot with my phone. We snap a picture. And then we email those pictures with all the squawks with a written text on what we feel was wrong with the airplane if it didn't meet the numbers or if there was something wrong with the skin of the airplane or we noticed some corrosion. And there's all kinds of things that we could notice. Now, the only reason that Don can do this somewhat informal class and have his students go off and do this on their own is because a pre-purchase inspection is not a required practice. That's right. It's not a required inspection, like a 100-hour annual inspection. It's just highly recommended to check out an airplane holistically before someone buys it. So people usually take Don's class to have the information to inspect an airplane on their own or to go out and do what Don does. However, there are some limitations. Uh, if you're an a mechanic like me or this fella that's attending my class, so he could take off and put back the inspection plates and make a walkbook entry. He did that. But you're buying the airplane, and you're not allowed to do that unless you own the airplane and you're a pilot, at least a private pilot. Then you're allowed to do a lot of these things, taking the inspection plates off and on, all kinds of things you're allowed to do. There are other limitations that get a bit more complicated, but the main point is that although just a pilot can't do a fully comprehensive overview of a for sale aircraft, the pilot can get a pretty good idea of whether he or she should make the purchase or not. Anyway, that's just a general overview of how Don does these inspections for his class. But of course, there's more to this. Before Don and the buyer do anything, he talks to the person on the phone for about 30 minutes. And we get our heads together. I'll give him information about the airplane, if it's the right airplane from them. You know, like I had a guy that wanted to buy a, a Cessna 140, but he was too tall to fit in the airplane. <laughs> so no sense in going around the country looking to buy one. <laughs> Uh, so we, we get into mission profile and how many people they're carrying and the maintenance aspects of maintaining an airplane like that and what kind of price I think they're going to pay for this make and model airplane and what kind of avionics it has, if it has a glass panel, and if they need a, these expensive radio equipment could cost more than the airplane's worth. But if they're going to go IFR and they need it, uh, and they just don't want to use their iPad for navigation, you got to have it built in. So we get into all that kind of stuff and advice um, before they go out to check out the airplane. I always tell them uh, it's not the only airplane in the world. I said, you know, you like the paint job, you like the avionics, but maybe that pink airplane over there is a better airplane. <laughs> it's just that you, you don't like the color. <laughs> and so anyway, I talked to him about 30 minutes. And then I say, okay, um, tell you what I'll do. I said, I'll send you a PayPal invoice for a day's labor, and, and whatever it takes, I'll be with you. You, know, you go out there, and um, let me call up the seller of the airplane and ask him for a copy of the logbooks. And, of course, a lot of little airplanes, they don't have a copy of the logbooks. So I'll say, well, sir, would you do me a favor and take a picture of every page of the logbooks and just email it to me? And if they don't want to do that, 
then I, what I have to do is when the buyer goes to see the airplane uh, on our iPhones, FaceTime, I have to read the logbook. <laughs> and being that I'm sitting at my desk, I could snap pictures of the defects and then write them up later so we could breeze through this thing. So, you know, I have the buyer go to the airplane with a little toolkit, you know, unusual tools you wouldn't even think about. You know, not only a screwdriver, Phillips and common head type of screwdrivers, but also a can of spray called disc brake cleaner. <laughs> what? <laughs> disc brake cleaner? Yeah, because when we take the top cowl off, if we ain't see any residue of oil, we shoot it with this disc brake cleaner and it evaporates immediately without it dripping down on the hoses and onto the ground. And, you know, it just evaporates, right? And it, like magic, the stains go away. And then when we come back from the flight test, we take the cowl off again. Who knows? It might be a crack in the case of the engine. And that could be a $12,000 deal. <laughs> so uh, this way we can identify you know, any new leaks. Because a lot of times these, these airplanes are kind of greasy when you take the cow off. So we got to clean them up. And so a couple, sometimes it takes two cans of disc brake cleaner. You could buy an automotive store for a couple bucks. <laughs> we'll really get into it now, but we don't do it with all these airplanes. But if you notice, like, the seals around the windows are bad and there seems to be a little movement in the window, uh, you can buy a prism at the hobby shop and you can put this prism up against it and you could see down inside where the window is attached to the aluminum if there's any cracks down there where the rivets have gone through it. You know, that's really getting into it. <laughs> we don't do that very often, but, you know, if the buyer wants to do it, I'll, well, I'll walk them through it, how to do it. And then the buyer goes out to the airplane and he starts off by having the seller start the engine and when he's starting the engine the buyer gets away from the propeller and he's showing me through my iphone the exhaust stack and why because if white smoke comes puffing out of that exhaust stack chances are there was oil laying in the cylinders and that could be an indication not only of bad rings in the engine but it could also be leaking valve guides when it shuts down the little residual oil pushes oil into the cylinder, maybe a one cylinder even. And so if there's white smoke, that's an indication we got a problem. And uh, then I have the buyer shut the pilot who owns the airplane, shut it off with the magneto switches instead of pulling the mixture off to cut it out of fuel. And the reason for the magneto switches is then I know that the magnetos are grounded and the propeller is dead. So when we flip the propeller, it, the engine won't start. <laughs> and I have him sit in there and hold on the brakes and we chalk the airplane. He puts the magneto switch key if he has one up on the glass shield. He makes sure the mixture is all the way back to idle cutoff and the throttle's back to idle. And we hand prop the airplane. And I said, oh, man, that's dangerous. <laughs> Not if you do it right. There's a technique. So I go over the technique if the buyer wants to do it. And we could count four-cylinder airplane. We count one, two, three, four as we're pulling the propeller through. And let's say we count one, two, weak. Oh, there's a weak and then four is strong. So we, we might have a weak cylinder. So we go ahead and do it again, one, two, three, four. And sure enough, the, the third time pulling it through, that cylinder was weak. Now, we don't know what cylinder it was. But it was one of the four. It was a six-cylinder. We do it the same way. We count the six. 
But anyway, that might solve itself a lot. There's a lot of reasons, you know, it might not be a bad deal. So uh, we're going to flight test the airplane after he kind of walks around and we look at everything. If, you know, we might mark some rivets with a, a crayon mark to see if they're spinning when we're flying, if they're loose rivets, if there's a trail of smoke behind the rivets, which is aluminum dust because the rivet might be turning. And we're going to shake hands with the wings by pulling them up and down, <laughs> making sure they're not oil canning, go bong, 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 because the skin is loose on the wing, because that would be really bad if that was the case. And then um, we're going to go and do a static run-up, and he's going to have me in his shirt repel pocket, and I could notice the vacuum of the vacuum pump, and I could notice the RPMs at full throttle, and make sure we're getting full power, and climbing up to altitude, make sure we have the to climb, make sure we have our, our proper cruise speed for the manifold pressure and, or for the RPM setting, whatever it happens to be the case. We could do all that. And as, I'm, as we're going along now, I'm snapping pictures with my phone. And he, he's oblivious to it, except he has an, an earplug in his ear. And I'm telling him which way to turn so I could see things in the airplane. And I'm recording all the squawks I find right here at the office. And then when it gets down from the flight, I immediately email him all those pictures with the text on what the discrepancy is and if it's airworthy or, or just information. And if it's an airworthy squawk, I put down what federal air regulation has to apply with or maintenance manual page or something of that nature. Whatever the compliance is to make it airworthy, he might need a new pod to make it airworthy. And then he can discuss that with the seller and show the seller the pictures and the text and say, here's what's wrong with the airplane. I'm still willing to buy it. You want to fix it or you want to reduce the price and I'll fix it. So that's how it goes. And um, can do this any place in the world. It gets a little complicated in foreign countries because I have to take, you know, take pictures of the logbook and interpretation program to tell me what it says. And I've done airplanes overseas that were completely in a foreign language, and I figured it out okay. It just takes a little longer. So there's a lot to it. Don Sebastian is 74 years old and says he has no plans of retiring from being a pre-purchase aircraft inspector. I did ask him if he was planning on doing more of these remote inspections in the future due to his age, and he said it was a possibility, but he could just sit more while being next to the real airplane. You can check out pictures and information related to these stories, along with links to some of the other podcasts Don's been on that I mentioned earlier by going to the article at thelongbookpodcast.com. This episode was supported directly by your donations. If you enjoy the show, you can support its production by becoming a patron. Through Patreon, you set a donation level that is given every time a new episode is released, and you can always set a monthly limit so you don't go over your budget. Depending on the amount donated, you are granted access to different rewards that are as simple as hearing a sneak preview to the next episode, all the way up to exclusive content that didn't make it into the show. Any amount is helpful, and the more that's donated, the more the show can improve. Head over to our website, thelogbookpodcast.com, and click on the Patreon banner at the side of the page to start supporting. Also, don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps bring awareness to the logbook. If you have a story about anything in aviation, we would love to hear it, and it may even become an episode of the logbook. You can send us an email by using the contact page on our website. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you come back for the next entry in the logbook.